So this morning, as we uh, continue to uh, the series on Meet the Holy Spirit, we are today um, looking at spiritual gifts, and this is uh, more of of an instructional message for some who may uh, not uh, be familiar with the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe in the present-day ministry of the Spirit's uh, spirits, giftings and enablings uh, and the spirituals that God imparts uh, to the body of Christ. And I, I believe that we need to, to see more and more and more of God each and every day and everything. We need to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit uh, in the church, uh, and the church outside this gathering should be filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit. So I'd, I'd begin today, and this isn't my uh, message text, but as I shared before, you know, I never want to place a higher premium uh, on one thing over another thing that God uh, does and is. And in Galatians 5, uh, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there, there is no law. And so we're talking about the gifts today, and we know the distinction between the, the giftings and we know uh, the character of God that is uh, produced in our lives, uh, that takes hold in our lives, and the giftings and the characteristics of Christ uh, that become part of us. You know, we, we become more enveloped in, in the touch of God and the uh, character of God upon our lives. So, you know, as much as we desire to um, move in the spiritual giftings, we desire that we will be uh, fr- bear the fruit of love and joy and peace, right? Because that really is the greatest, greatest element of those spiritual things that God manifests because the world is looking for love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the Bible says there's no, there's no limitation on these. You know, you can't, you can't have too much love. There's no violation for uh, having too much of the love of Jesus in your life. Amen? How many kids would, be, would say, I could use some more love here today in my life? My love life needs to be tuned up in Jesus uh, you know, there's no limitation or prohibition against joy and peace and patience. And, you know, whereas the giftings, there are parameters for the use of giftings. There, there is no such restriction or direction. Uh, you know, God doesn't tell you, uh, be careful when you handle love. Because when love is, uh, God's love is moving in us, that, that God love that he manifests through us, that, you know, there's no limitation there. You can't love someone too much. Amen? You know, people say sometimes because we use maybe not the best judgment in allowing certain things or enabling them, we say we love them too much, and that's never true. We never love someone too much. Sometimes we have a lapse of judgment, and sometimes we move from our emotions and how many know that uh, love and emotion aren't always moving in the same stream? Uh, and it's great when they do, 
but it doesn't always happen. Sometimes we enable people to do things. We empower them to do things that aren't always the best because we act out of our emotions, not because we love them, you know. I would, you know, we all know that, uh, but it's, sometimes it's hard to, uh, to make that distinction. God give us wisdom and understanding as we love people the way Jesus does. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away uh, to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one uh, can say that Jesus is Lord except but by the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Uh, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of activities, uh, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, uh, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another differing kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Uh, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one uh, individually as he wills. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, Lord, we don't have to ask that your word be anointed, but we do ask that, Lord, our, our lips and our hearts and our ears would, uh, would be, Lord, anointed in Christ, that today we would be prepared to receive what it is that God has purpose to release into this body. Lord, whatever you speak today, Lord, we will hear. And whatever you do in this uh, place today, Lord God, we will uh, honor and we will avail ourselves to it. And so, Father, we pray from the front of this sanctuary to the back, Lord, the height and the, and the depth of this building, Lord, uh, Lord, and all that goes on in it will be uh, directed for the glory of God, the sweet Holy Spirit moving throughout uh, every ministry in this house today. And Lord, we thank you for it and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, um, first of all, you know, I, I've been in church like some of you for a lot of my lifetime. I grew, grew up in a uh, small Pentecostal church and Assembly of God church in western Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I built a, you know, for small churches afford you the opportunity to build some really unique and wonderful and intimate relationships with people. It just is a great, great experience. And I remember some of the uh, unique personalities and people uh, at the church, you know, uh, just some of the things that had happened during the time uh, that I grew up in church. And, you know, not everything that happens is uh, Holy Spirit directed. You understand, right? Church, sometimes there are other things that get involved. And uh, sometimes it can be our emotions. Sometimes it could be our flesh. Uh, sometimes 
you know, the devil will even try his hand uh, at things. And, you know, so we, we do understand that there is a, there's a pure flow of the Holy Spirit among us. And then there are all kinds of competing things that seek to uh, usurp the authority of God. And uh, we always want to be in his flow, right? We want to be in the pure flow of God's Holy Spirit. We don't want to operate in the flesh. We don't want to operate just simply out of our own limited view of things. And we certainly don't want to play host to, uh, the, the, you know, that other guy, you know, the devil, right? And we need not fear that when we come together in the house of the Lord. Some are so afraid that in some way the devil's going to uh, get some kind of influence into things that we, we just seize up and we don't allow God to, to do what he wants to do. Uh, I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given by God. I believe when we seek for more of the Holy Spirit, God is not going to give that desire something that is contrary to uh, his nature and his purpose. You know, if you ask for more of the uh, sweet spirit of God, how many of you believe that God wants to give us more of his spirit? He wants us to be more influenced by uh, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, today God wants us to be awash in his spirit in this house. He doesn't simply want us to allow him to participate. He wants to direct things. And, uh, you know, another thing we keep in mind with gifts, uh, God never eradicates your personality. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, the Bible will tell us that, does tell us that uh, the spirit is subject to the prophet, right? You know, not everything that, you know, God doesn't necessarily make anybody do anything. He doesn't seize you and make you an automaton or a robot. You know, the beautiful thing is, even with the Gospels, God didn't eliminate the personality and the individuality of the authors of the Gospel. You know, they didn't walk around in some kind of trans, uh, tra- you know, some kind of transcendent uh, fog. God inspired them and used them. He incorporated their personalities. And even in the divine record, we see uh, there, are, there is evidence of the fact that uh, they were flawed. By their own uh, records, they are flawed people in personality. So, you know, the one thing that I say as we preface this is that, you know, uh, don't be discouraged because not everything is of God, but there's enough of God in what happens here that we need to focus on that, right? That means, you know, people say, I've been in Pentecostal churches, they're weird. Let me tell you, they're weird in every church. You know, don't let anybody tell you, the Methodists are just as weird as we are. The Baptists are just as weird as we are. You know, so weirdness is not, uh, we don't have the uh, market cornered on weirdness, although we have our share. Uh, you know, how many of you would say uh, we do know that? I mean, look at the person beside you and you'll be able to affirm that it's true, that we are weird people. And, uh, but look at what you get uh, to have to deal with here. But, um, you know, when we look at it, I, I want God. I want God, and if that means that sometimes the flesh gets in the way, you know, there, that, can be, that can be pruned, and that can be, we, can, we, we should be mentoring one another and helping one another to grow. 
And, you know, spirit, the, the great thing about a Pentecostal, spirit-filled church is, is that there are so many growth opportunities as we allow the Holy Spirit to unpack what it is that he wants to do among us. You know, if you're just stationary and you're stagnant and you're, there's nothing flowing in, there's nothing to, to rein in because it's deadness, right? But when there's a flow of life into the church, you know, sometimes how many of you, your flesh has ever gotten excited? I mean, I don't know necessarily your flesh getting excited by a move of God. Usually the flesh is annoyed by God's move. But when we think about it, how many of you have gotten so excited at times that you did something? And it's not a bad thing. It's just not everything that we say and do should we add, thus saith the Lord to. You know, that's what I'm saying. I mean, sometimes it's just, I'm excited. God's doing a great thing. I'm worshiping, and so I want everybody to do what I'm doing right now the way I want you to do it. You know, I'm jumping up and down, so if you're not jumping up and down, you must be dead, right? You know, that's not the way it works. That enthusiasm is a wonderful thing, but not everybody's the same. But the Holy Spirit brings us into unity, regardless of what the differences are of our personality and our individuality. Isn't that great? There's no other way for the church to survive and to thrive except but through the Holy Spirit because there's too many differences. We're too different. You know, uh, it's like a marriage. If there's not genuine love there, we become intolerant and it just becomes impossible because, uh, you know, of where we have settled. But love, you know, when we love one another, love overcomes a multitude, not one or two, but a multitude of sin, right? And so when the Holy Spirit brings us together, he brings us into that place of unity. And there's that, there's that growth that takes place both corporately and individually. And so isn't it great that the Holy Spirit enables us as a spirit-filled body to so many growth opportunities, you know, because here's what happens is when there's a move of the Spirit, it's up to you as a parent to be, uh, to be knowledgeable enough to be able to tell your kids what that was. I mean, I would rather my child say, why was Sister Betty Sue lying? i got to always make sure I use the right word. Prostrate on the floor. Why, was, why did this man speak in tongues? Why did this fellow, uh, why was he sharing something that God gave him? Why were they praying for people and putting their hands on people? You know, uh, why, why, were, why was, why, you know, what, what, is, what are all these things? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Wouldn't you have, rather have your kids asking you what it is than to, uh, uh, you know, some, simply come to a place where everything is the same all the time and there's really nothing unexpectedly done and we get into the ritual and the routine of how we do things and, and the Holy Spirit is an occasional intrusion. How many know the Holy Spirit should never be an intrusion in church? He should be leading the whole works here. You know, we, we come together and we pray for the Holy Spirit of God to, to move. And, um, you know, that's my prayer. You know, I, I, we're, it's like, um, well, I, I got a lot of sidetracks. But we talk about the spiritual gifts. 
or spirituals, pneumaticon. Paul didn't want the, the Corinthian church to be uninformed or misinformed concerning spiritual gifts and the manifestations of the Spirit that was given for the purpose of building people up in faith. It's not a show, right? It's not for, hey, look at how spiritual I am. Because, you know, the Bible says that, you know, you can speak with tongues of men and of angels and not have love, and you just, you know, it's not great, right? You can give all that you have, you can give your body to be burned, and yet without love, it doesn't mean anything. So that tells me that love is the highest priority in all that we do. Isn't it interesting as you read 1 Corinthians 12, and then you read, uh, you know, we sometimes will jump from 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 because we want to know more about the gifts of the Spirit. We want to know more about corporate worship and how, how God orders that. And uh, yet, but that center section is, is the glue. It's the cement. It's that love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the Holy Spirit who, you know, wants us to love one another because whatever's done out of godly, Christ-like love is going to be for the benefit of others. You know, it'll put others first, right? It'll put the interest of others before our own. Because sometimes, you know, we may come to church and want church done our way, but God has a plan to do something very different for the benefit of the whole. And everything that's done, whether it's a message in tongues, a prophetic word, uh, a prayer of faith, you know, whether it's the miraculous being released into the body, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge released, all of these things are to be done in, in God's perfect order, and it's to be done uh, out of love and for the desire that others would benefit from them. You know, sometimes... Uh, as we look at the Scripture and Paul reminds people of certain things, he reminds the Corinthian church that they had been brought out of uh, a godless, uh, lifeless idolatry. Some were perhaps or pressured into paganism. And so by tradition, culture, family, or simply by personal choice, they had, had just gotten locked into a life of idolatry because it was a way of life. You know, the whole world needs Jesus, but not the whole world doesn't have the, hasn't had the benefit that we've had as believers, right? You know that there are people in this, on this planet that ha have not been raised in, in, in a Christian home. They've had no scriptural, real scriptural influence or, in, or uh, you know, input into their lives. And, you know, and, and there are people who are raised with different beliefs and different ideologies and all kinds of things. And, you know, we assume that they're just going to jump onto the plan that we lay out for them as, as what we Christians do. And they're not ready. They may not even comprehend what you're talking about. You know, because they've been raised in a whole different culture, some a whole different religion. And, you know, so what, how, does, how, does, how does God break through that? And God, whatever God purposes to break through, he breaks through. But he does so, first and foremost, by his love. You know, the love of God introduces people to, to him in such an intimate, personal, and powerful way that it starts to melt the defenses. 
And it starts to erase the differences that separate and divide people, tradition, culture, religion. Because the love of God is, how many understand the love of God? There's nothing like it in this world. Only that which grows out of it, right? That's the, that's the only thing in this world that's like the love, is, is like the love of God because it is the love of God. It is an outgrowth of God's love. And so when we talk about these gifts, you can never, ever remove the love of God from it. And so, you know, you know honestly, I've known people, and I think we all carry that, pos- that capability, but I've known people who have, uh, you know, been very good at, uh, you know, uh, verbal giftings and have declarations and all kinds of things and have been some of the meanest people I've ever met in my life. How many know what I'm talking about? And, uh, I mean, they could, they could tell you everything that God's told them and everything that you've missed, but they, they're not conveying much in the way of God's love. See, that can't be. You know, that can't be a church that becomes so enamored with the gifts that it makes them idols rather than loving people as the, as the real source of everything we do. It's going to implode. You know, you, you know, you people say, well, I remember when we used to do this and we used to do that. Well, why aren't you doing it now? You know, when, when did you stop? Why, what, what happened? And you say, well, it happened when you came. No, it happened before that. It was going on. We, we get on these slides and they start deteriorating and we don't even realize it because we think because we've got so many manifestations of God's Spirit that, that we can't possibly miss what God's up to. And that's not true. I'm here, you say you're talking about giftings, but I am, but I'm, I want this to be known. You, never, you can't disassociate or sever the love of God from any of them. That's really what I'm getting at. If the love of God isn't in it, don't come up to me. You don't need to constantly prophesy at me if you don't love me. I'd rather you just keep that for yourself. But if you love, if you love people and you love, it, it really motivates the things that we do. You know, and uh, I'm not a big fan of making a, a show of everything that God does. I think God is so capable of showing himself. When his glory falls and it fills the house and the move of God is so evident, evident and eminent, we don't have to try to lather it up. We want to encourage people, but we don't have to try. Acts 19, 13, uh, I'd like to read a couple of scriptures. And before we do it, just say, Some claim to be speaking in the Spirit, according to Paul, and not recognize that the focus is on, is on glorifying Christ. A person who is truly being used to the Holy Spirit it will keep in mind and recognize that the focus belongs on Christ and the glory is His. And the Holy Spirit acknowledges and reveals the Lordship of Christ. In Acts 19, 13 through 17, we read this story, or at least a portion of it in these scriptures. And then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, 
a Jewish priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Peter I know, but who are you? That's a really dangerous place to be. You know, to try to imitate without giving God the invitation into our hearts and lives. You know, imitation without invitation is a, is a bad, bad plan. Because if we're trying to replicate something that we've seen elsewhere and we're not living with that invitation of Christ into our lives, you know, how many know the devil's not afraid of imitations? He's, and he, he is not afraid of imitations, and he, but he is very much concerned where there is a, 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 a free invitation of Christ to be exalted. You know, that's so dangerous to the devil. He hates it. It causes his efforts great harm. How many of you are really all about causing great harm to the enemy at the, and, 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 and seeing heaven gained at hell's expense? I want to see God's kingdom increase at hell's expense. You know what it means by that? It means that, that God is setting people free. And those who have been held in bondage and in darkness are being brought into the light, being ushered into freedom and, and life. And, you know, that's what I want to see. I, how many of you, that's your heart? You know, we don't just go around like cowboys, hey, I'm going to give the devil a hard time. But, you know what, we have to understand that any soul that is gained by God's grace, is a loss for hell. You know, your place in hell, that, you know, and I believe Satan probably had a, uh, one for you. He had one for me, a place for us in hell. It was, a, it was more like, you know, there was a time, uh, we, and I'll, I'm just using this as an illustration. We, we had, my mom, my dad, Robin, and I had gone to North Carolina. My mom's from North Carolina, uh, a lot of family there. And so, you know, when we were on our way back, we were tired. And, you know, it was, probably, it was getting close to midnight. And so we thought we'd look for a cheap motel. And how many know you should never look for too cheap of a motel? And, I mean, we, we saw this place called the Gold Nugget. And it was somewhere in North Carolina. We didn't get very far. But uh, so I said, hey, look, 1995 or something like that. This was years ago. <laughs> So we, we went and got the room, and, you know, and uh, we got to the room. It was, we had, you know, my, we were all staying together. Well, and actually, I think there was a kid or maybe a kid there, too, one of ours. He wasn't in the room when we got there, but it, he was ours when we came there. But uh, we got there, and, uh, you know, we opened the door, and this blue, uh, this, this, this uh, blue shag carpet was soiled brown, you know, it, it, you know what I mean? It matted down brown. Uh, there were, were little, it, it, there was like the sink was full of rust in around the, the drain. And there was a snack left on the sink counter. And, <laughs> you know, it just was not, and my, my mom folds the blanket. My mom's a germaphobe. And so she's unhappy when she walked in. And I'm thinking, well, what did you expect? 1995 gold nugget. Uh, so, you know, we get, walk in and, you know, um, mom throws the cover back and, you know, there's like little things crawling. And she says, we can't stay here. We can't stay here. And uh, so, you know, my mom and I are a lot alike in some regards because uh, she said, your, dad will, your dad's going to have to go tell them. And I said, yeah, and Robin will go with him. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, 
And so my, 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 my dad and Robin went to the front desk and said, you know, we can't stay here. Uh, sorry. And so the guy came to the room and he walks in and my mom is just, she is just not in a good state of being. And uh, he walks in and he says, what's, so what's the problem? And my, <laughs> my mom said, yeah, what do you think the problem is? And she's showing him all this stuff. And uh, so we got out of there, and I'd like to tell you, we did get, then we went to the Comfort Inn. It was a little up, more upbeat, uh, but I, this is so bad. I woke up in the morning, and my dad's laying and snoring in the other bed, and, and uh, I said, where's mom at? And uh, he said, you, you, he, she, she said, and I think he just put it all on me, but uh, he, he, she, he said, she said, you snored so terrible, she couldn't take any more, and she went out and slept in the car. And I said, you let her go sleep in the car? And he said, yes, yeah, that's what she wanted to do. And uh, so it wasn't a good night. But the thing is, you know, the devil will always put you up at the Roach Motel. You know that, right? He has a place for you in the Roach Motel of hell. You know, he doesn't have, you know, he always promises things. And he has nothing to give you but bad. And so he says, that Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks living or dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord was magnified. Isn't that awesome? At the end of it all, then they started focusing on Jesus. Let's not wait until the devil beats us up to get our focus on Jesus, right? Let's not wait till he takes us down that dark road and that place where there is thievery and death and disease and uh, of church and, and before we say, okay, Lord, but if we are there, then let's start focusing on him, right? And saying, Jesus, you're, you're the head of this thing. You're the CEO. I hear people talk about these uh, televangelists, and they'll say, they're the CEO of the church. I got biz. I got room uh, to tell you something. There's only one CEO of the church, and he's not walking and living and breathing in this kind of accommodations right now. There's one CEO. Jesus is head over all things pertaining to the church, not part of them or few of them. I want to tell you, there is no CEO of the church, whether it's the Pope or your favorite televangelist who says they're winning the whole world, uh, giving to this mission and that mission, when a lot of those missions could be given through the local church. I'm not saying you shouldn't give. I'm just saying that it's not that person giving. It's the people who give. It's the people who survive. God advances his church. So I'm getting off on something I shouldn't. Forgive me. But anyhow, I want to say there's one CEO in the church, one head over all things pertaining to the church, and God graciously allows us to be included in what he does when we come alongside and we yield to him, and uh, we are co-laborers with him, but he always brings all of the capital, all of the resource, all of the power, and what we give him is this clay. And he's okay with that, right? Because how many of you would like to, you don't mind being a vessel of honor to the Lord, a clay vessel unto the Lord. You're, you know, God pours the glory in you and it flows out from you, but it is always from him. 
There are various manifestations and administrations of spiritual gifts as directed by the Holy Spirit. Being that the Holy Spirit is the administrator of spiritual gifts, his character will be seen in them and the will of God will be accomplished as revealed in his word. Now, just a quick pause. I did not say that you should not support other ministries and what they're doing. I'm just saying man should not be taking credit for what God is doing. That's all I'm saying. You know, like I do this and I've done that and we've done this and we've done that. Let me tell you, that's nauseating. There are, you say, yes, it is. You shouldn't do that again. There are different types. If you're doing it for the glory of God and you're giving him the praise, that's one thing. But if you're looking and saying, hey, look at me, I'm winning the whole world for Jesus, this isn't a one-man enterprise, right, other than him. I mean, we are many joined together in Christ, and there are many laborers in his fields. And there are ones who receive a lot less due honor, but in time, all men will receive their recognition as from God. Don't need it here, right? We want it when God gives. But anyhow, here we go. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of revelation, the word of wisdom by the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, this uh, Sophia, the, the practical skill in the affairs of life. Sometimes, you know, God speaks uh, words that are fitted to the circumstantial needs. And uh, to the, he provides uh, practical answers to uh, things from a spiritual resource that God gives wisdom for direction, uh, for action, and, and it comes from the Lord. He endows, you know, that's why when I prayed for uh, uh, Alina's doctors, you know, people say, why would you pray for an unsaved doctor to be anointed with skill? I mean, I, I pray that for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm praying that God lengthens their reach and deepens their understanding beyond their experience and their years. But if you get a Christian doctor who's spirit-filled, that's, that's even better, amen? But, you know, God, God wants to, to give, give us that word to, to be released in certain situations that provides, uh, you know, uh, direction and wisdom from on high. In Acts 15, 28, as they had debated about how to handle those who had come into the church who were not Jewish, you know, they, they, they arrived at a certain point and they said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You know, that's the best conclusion to any meeting that we could have. That we could walk out of a meeting and say, even though we all have our own ideas, at the end of it all, it seemed the Lord brought us together and it seemed good to Him, to the Spirit of God, and to us. You know, God can give that word. And let me, let me say, this is just my view. And you can say, well, good, then I know which one to throw out. But I, I'll just tell you this much. I believe that God can use people with different giftings depending upon the need. Sometimes we think if you're the, if you're the tongues guy, you're always the tongues guy. It doesn't happen that way. You know, well, you know, you have people will travel the world over to go find someone who can pray uh, the prayer of faith with them or believe, you know, move in the ministry of healing. You know, as the need for healing is there, God is sufficiently capable of utilizing his children, even if the renowned healer is not there. You hear that? 
That means that God could use you. So, you know, we want to be filled with the Spirit because we want, we know that there are times when God, there comes a time when God is wanting to move upon you to give you supernatural wisdom for sometimes very practical situations and needs. Sometimes things, the advancement of things are held up because there's that, that wisdom is lacking. And God never wants that to be the case because he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. And God gives it liberally and he doesn't chastise you nor turn you away. And in this case, God is able to move through an individual to, how many know that God doesn't have to wait for the, the wisdom guy or lady to come around? When there's a need for Holy Spirit wisdom, God can tap you on the shoulder and say, speak this. That really upsets some people because we think that God only uh, uses uh, one individual in each region or place for these giftings. That's not true. God uses people according to his sovereign will and his benevolent, loving nature. A word of knowledge, sometimes a word of knowledge, you know, a supernatural utterance of facts, a knowledge of the fundamental principles of God's Word sometimes, things that God knows from which He imparts a certain knowledge, you know, things that we don't know from our own human experience that God imparts. You know, sometimes, have you ever heard, had received a word of knowledge and you knew that God knew and that God was reading your mail, right? Or he wrote your mail, whatever you want to look at it as. And God speaks through people and he speaks a word that was not known by any other means than God. And he doesn't do it so that we can look like, uh, what was her name, Jean Dixon? How many remember Jean? Where was it, Jane? I don't know. But she wrote a, a horoscope or whatever. And we don't need that. I always, I'm always grieved when I go through uh, Gettysburg and there are all these people going on these ghost tours. I'm very disruptive when I go through town. Every time I roll the windows down and I, I do it every single time and I ride by a stop and I go, woo! And I've had, I've had whole groups do it back, so I mean it's starting to take hold. And uh, every time, I do it every single time. So if you're ever out there, you'll hear it. And uh, because I try to, you know, the devil always tries to disrupt what God's doing, right? So if I make them feel foolish walking around there telling these, you know, whatever, um, go to church. Because the one spirit you don't want to miss is the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if we as the church were, were, were fluid in the movement of the Holy Spirit, I believe less people would be going to these other things. How many of you would love to put that out of business? You say, well, okay, where do we get our signs and our pickets? No. Just start living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, there, there was a woman that came here, eccentric woman. Maybe some of you know who I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, i got to tell you this. You know, I see her down there a lot of times sharing Jesus with people. I want to tell you, and I said to Robin yesterday, how many of us would do that? I mean, one-on-one. She's not there with anybody else. Tall lady, you know what I'm talking about. She had 
I tell you, I, I wouldn't mess with her anyhow, but I mean, she's out there and she's sharing. She's, con- she's converted us a couple of times. Do you know Jesus? Yes, but I want to know him again because I'm afraid of what you'll do if I don't. And, and I, and I got to tell you, that's, uh, that's great stuff. People say, she's weird. Let me tell you, she's no weirder than the people that are paying to be weird. Going around listening for things and looking for things and, you know, whatever. But anyhow, Acts 5, Peter, you know, he, he knew that Ananias and Sapphira were cheating. God revealed to him, showed it to him, and he confronted them. And you don't ever want somebody coming to your door. Well, you know what I mean. If, you, in, in, if your name is Ananias and Sapphira, you don't. I would change your name. But anyhow, he knew that they were cheating. They were lying. They were representing their gift as one thing when in reality they were holding back and bragging about their giving. Holy Spirit sees everything. There's nothing he doesn't see. You don't get away with anything. People say, you know, you're running from God. And if we only realized how futile that was, is you just stop running. Spiritually enabled to discern between three sources is, uh, I'm talking about discernment of spirits. Uh, spiritually discerning really between three sources, really Holy Spirit, Satan, or the human spirit. And, you know, sometimes it's not God's Word for everybody. Sometimes it's God's Word for you. Sometimes we just assume that whatever God is saying to me is meant for everybody. How many know sometimes it's just for ourselves? God does get personal at times. You know, 1 John 4 tells us that we're not to believe all the spirits, but we're to test them. You know, discernment. You say, I want the gift of discernment. I can tell you the very first thing, uh, well, not the first, first thing, you've got to be saved. Second thing is you need to have the Spirit of God in your life. And, and, and the third thing is really important. You need to read the Bible. Because it's a little bit falls short if we say, I want, I want to have the spirit of discernment and we don't dust off the Bible. We don't read it. Because what greater discernment will you ever receive than what God has given you through his word? Because those principles will guide your discernment. The principles of God's word will direct your discernment. And, you know, so it's not just, well, I got a feeling about you. You know, I, I can read between the lines. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, I don't want to just be hocus-pocus, look at me, I can, I can tell you something. I want, to, I want to be able to truly discern what's from God and what's not. And the reason we speak those things and, and, and move, in a, move accordingly is because we don't want to get sidetracked. We don't want to get caught up on rabbit trails and miss what God is doing, chasing after something that's illegitimate. How many of you know that sometimes not everything, you know, you've heard this, and I'm going to use it again, that quacks is a duck. I don't know anything else that quacks, but I mean, I'm sure there's something out there. And not everything that professes to be from God is of God. 
Sometimes people try to shoot down any challenge to what they're doing by saying, God told me. I don't believe people all the time when they say, God told me. He told me to tell you to tell them. God doesn't always tell people what they say he does. And sometimes we won't know the difference if we are not really moving in the Spirit ourselves, and if we're not in the Word, and we're not growing with that basic fundamental foundation, we're going to be gullible to anything. Okay, I'm going to move quickly here. Gifts of utterance. You know, first of all, we, you know, we'll talk in this, this little message, prophecy. Uh, prophecy literally means to speak for another. And in this context, speak for God. With the day of Pentecost, the prophet Joel's prophecy concerning the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was being fulfilled. We know that because when they said that they were drunk, Peter said, no, this is what was written by the prophet Joel, which was spoken by the, I'm sorry, spoken by the prophet Joel. Prophecy includes foretelling and forthtelling. It's an inspired utterance from God. It, it is given to build up, to instruct, and to comfort. You know, basically, you know, and you say, well, sometimes it can correct, but that's what instruction is. You know, you don't correct someone just for the sake of correcting them. You correct them to instruct, right? There's an instructional value to correction. You know, it's like spanking your kid and they don't have any idea why you did it, right? We don't do that anymore, but if we were hypothetically I received spankings. Anybody else here? I mean, I met with uh, I met up with spankings once in a while. And I've said this before, and I'm not advocating you do this, but I'm just saying, you know, I, mean, I was a kid sitting at the table, you know, you know. By the time you're seven, you should be able to live independently and make your own decisions. At least that's what I thought, and uh, and so you know, I just made it clear to my dad at the table, I'm not eating this. And he said, yeah, my dad's so soft-spoken. My dad's one of the nicest people I've ever met, and uh, he is, not just because he's my father. Uh, he just, uh, oh, he's just a great man, uh, still worker for 30-some years, just good, good, hard-working, godly man. And I said to him, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not eating this. And it, I know what it was. I can remember to this day it was green beans. You know, I hadn't developed a love for them, uh, but that was going to change. And my dad scarcely spanked me ever, but my mom, she, she used whatever she needed to, to, to make to bring it into alignment. Uh, my mom was, uh, you know, we had a circular hallway kind of somewhat, and I know because I ran many laps from my mother around that then. <laughs> and she tried the psychology, well, if you don't stop, it's going to be worse when I catch you. And you know, I, you know what, I believe that one time. And I stopped. And I can't imagine that it would have been any worse if I would just kept running and <laughs> Uh, in fact, it might have been beneficial because then she wouldn't have probably had the strength to do what she did. Me stopping just helped her to conserve her energy, and I, I learned never to do that again. But correction in that case was my dad said, okay. And, you know, I never, well, I, you know, I, he, I don't know for dramatic effect. He said, let's go. We're going downstairs. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, you know, okay. 
you know, because my dad never, he never, you know, he never was that kind of person. I mean, he didn't. So I went down pretty confidently, and then he started taking his belt off, and I said, oh, what activity is this? You're taking your belt off. And, I, you know, I found out, and I mean, I got a few, you know, a few. And when I came up, you know, I, those were the best green beans I had ever eaten in my life. And I think I asked for seconds. And, uh, you know, the idea of turning my dad in never dawned on me. Never. Not once. Not one time. My mom maybe. No, my mom was pretty good. But anyhow, sometimes correction comes through instruction. Prophecy, uh, as we said, was uh, foretelling and utterance. And now we're down here uh, in these, uh, these things. Um, you know, when you, if you want to examine whether something... And we're, I guess we're, we're looking at prophecy here. Um, you know, prophets should, prophecy should be evaluated, I believe. I don't, some people say, oh, you just receive it all. No, I don't, I don't receive everything. There are people who have told me over the years, you just need to be quiet and receive it. And, you know, in some cases they were right, and in some cases I realized afterward I should have just kept doing what I was doing. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 18, verse 21, And if you say in your heart, How shall we know the word which the Lord has spoken? And he says, When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, this is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. And he says, In this case, you shall not be afraid of them. You know, now, sometimes things unveil over time, so we don't always know the value of a prophetic statement when it's given. Some things just over time. You know, you don't see it right away. Uh, Scriptural content and context should be always a measuring stick for anything that's spoken uh, in the name of Jesus. The accuracy of statements, the spirit in which it is shared, Is it Christ-centered? Is it Christ-exalting? When we look at the character of the prophet and the character of his or her household, that should be a, a, you know, know, I do. I want to know who's selling me stuff, who's speaking to me. You know, if you're not living it and you're living overtly outside of Christ and you're claiming to speak on his behalf, I'm probably not going to hear a whole lot of what you have to say. You know, there are false prophets. That's known over and over in the Scriptures. So you can look at Jeremiah 14, Ezekiel 22, 28. Uh, you know, 1 John 4, 1 through 3, Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Then we talk about diverse tongues, and that's the scary one because people get freaked out by tongues. You know, if you've not heard it before and you say, well, uh, you know, I don't know what that was, and... Um, as I said, it could be one of three things. It could be uh, God, it could be ourself, or it could be the devil. It could be. But you've got to, you know, everything that is spoken should be evaluated. Does it glorify Christ? Does it build up the church, right? Is it ministered in love? Does it bear witness with God's Holy Spirit in your heart? How many of you have ever had something spoken and you didn't have any peace whatsoever? Now, I'm not saying you didn't like it, because sometimes we might not like what God speaks to us. I'm talking about your stomach, your gut was just twisting and turning because there was something not right. God gives you that. 
diverse tongues. You know, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, according to Acts 2, 10, 19, implied in 8, that when they were filled, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And in some cases, they prophesied as well. And so when we look at the scriptural example, there was an indication that they had received, and it's, it's recorded in the Word. And so we talk about that baptism, the promise of the Father, which he told his, Christ told his followers to wait for in Jerusalem until they received it, is that baptism in the Holy Spirit that we as Pentecostals appreciate, right? Anybody? Pentecostals, we, that's, that's a distinctive of, of, of life for us and, and faith. You know, so sometimes, uh, you know, as such on the day of Pentecost, when they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, there were others present in the room who heard them speaking in their native, langu- native tongue, language. And they didn't understand how this could be happening other than they said they are drunk. And that's when they were told that they're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know, he says, uh, you know, we look at that scripture and, and we realize that then we have the gift and we have a prayer language, you know, with the gifting. We can pray in, in, the, in spirit and with understanding. Um, you know, we, we, and we'll talk more about this, but tongues, you know, for the sake of corporate worship, public worship, tongues is, we are told that if it's not accompanied with an interpretation or we know it's not intended for an interpretation, then it is to be kept to oneself. Amen? I mean, you're not to, to burst into the middle of, a, of the preaching of the Word or you know, uh, any part of the service that uh, with something that is intended for personal and private edification, you know. Sometimes you'll have people break forth in praise and worship, and people may be praising and worshiping God in tongues, but that's different. I'm talking about the, when God's Word is being brought forth and when there, there's a direction and an order that God has set into motion because the spirit is subject to the prophet. You know, we're not uncontrollably made robotic. Amen? You know, we, we control that. We control when that's released. We, 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 we can control some of that. That doesn't mean we suppress God. That doesn't mean that we turn him back or turn him away. It just simply means that there is a proper timing for God's for any manifestation as such to be released, and it will flow. Amen? First <laughs> uh, Corinthians 14, you know, when you want to know about how, how these giftings uh, uh, function in a corporate setting, First Corinthians 14 is Paul's instructional guide about the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in First Corinthians 14, how they are to be utilized and directed in a time of worship corporate. Interpretation of tongues is the uh, compatible gifting that, you know, some cases people may have an interpretation. In other instances, there may be those who have the interpretation that God uh, uses. And we talk about the, the glossolalia, the, uh, the tongues. You know, this is a, a divine enablement to interpret the tongues. 
You know, tongues without interpretation is really for personal edification because the mind does not understand, right? When you pray in tongues, your mind doesn't understand, but your spirit is edified. Your spirit is flowing with God. You know, how many here, you pray, you pray, you know what it is to pray in tongues. There are times when you just pray in your prayer language. You don't understand what you're saying, but the Holy Spirit and your spirit are kind of doing something there. Amen. If you, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you've not been using your, your prayer language, it's time to, to re-engage that. 1 Corinthians 14, read it. It gives you a directive as to uh, public corporate worship. And then we're going to close here. It's, all right. it's 1124 according to my $27 Rolex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Believe you know, it's an Invicta watch I got for twenty-seven bucks. You know, an Invicta. I didn't. I don't know much about this. I'm more Casio, uh, but uh, Casio or whatever they call it. But um, twenty-seven bucks. Somebody said it wasn't real. I don't need to know that. It keeps time and it works. And if this is a knockoff. Sorry. As long as it keeps hanging, it glows in the dark, too. I was concerned right after I got it, uh, you know, the one hand started flopping around all over the place inside. But I don't know, honestly. I don't know if it was healed or what because I, I did this, and it's not done that anymore. So I don't know. Gifts of power. Our God's a powerful God. He's not anemic. He's not weak. And nothing that represents Christ should be anemic or weak. Our walk with God should not be weak and anemic. It shouldn't be in and out, up and down. Good today, not good tomorrow. We've got to be on that consistent path of just growing deeper and higher in the things of God. How many of you are today are saying, I'm glad I'm not a baby after 30 years in Christ? Because it's unfortunate sometimes there are people who never outgrow spiritual diapers. I'm going to say I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm growing. I'm growing. My feet are, my spiritual feet are getting bigger and my, you know, reach and all that. But anyhow, healing, healing. God is a healer. People say, oh, you know, uh, God doesn't heal today. Well, okay, well, if you believe that, uh, I won't pray for you to be healed, but I'm going to pray for everyone else to be healed. Right? I mean, I'll pray for them too, but I mean, the thing is, if you're afraid that something... If you don't think it's going to happen, don't worry about it. Let me pray. You know, people say, well, that's against my theology. That was for a pro- previous time. Okay, how about we pray and just let God do something? I mean, how many of you are okay, even if you're, you say my theology says, oh, that was all for yesteryear, how many of you still let someone pray for your healing? It's amazing. People who don't believe in healing, when they're on their deathbeds, they believe in healing. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Well, why? You're going to heaven fast. You said you, you, that's the, what was, you, said that's the way you wanted it. Well, we all want to go to heaven, but how many of us believe that we, we still appreciate healing? Healings for different diseases. 
uh, sign gifts associated with the work of evangelism. In Acts 3, remember the lame man at the gate, beautiful, right? You know, was healed. And he went in jumping and shouting and praising the Lord. And the people recognized him as the man who was previously begging and lame. What a testimony that is. We don't always experience healing. Now, I'm going to say that because, you know, I'm not one of these ones who say automatically run to people and say it's because you didn't have faith or, you know, sometimes it could be we don't have faith. It's always a possibility. But and sometimes, well, you've got something in your ancestral lineage that's preventing you from receiving healing. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is my ancestral lineage today. God is my father. So, you know what? I ain't worried about what great, 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 great grandpa did. My father's yesterday, today, and forever he is. He's I am, right? He was, is, and always will be. And he's my father. So whatever he is or was and is and will be is what I benefit from. Yeah. People say, well, that ruins all the fun. I got to tell you, now the fun is watching Jesus come out of that tomb on resurrection day, having satisfied every demand note that had been placed against me, all the indebtedness that had been brought upon me by my own sinful heart, I've been released of. I think the big thing is, I do think we need to minister to people because they do need to know the power of Christ's redemption. And sometimes we live under the false knowledge that what he did for me is inadequate. And somehow these little addendums need to be added. I got to tell you, the ongoing and continued and greater work of Christ in my life is always welcome and needed. But he doesn't have to do anything more than what he's done, and I'm free. Amen? Well... Anyhow, working of miracles. And I, so I just want to back up. I am going to finish. Uh, I, I want you to know if you've been praying for a healing and it hasn't come and you, you're, you're thanking God and rejoicing, you know, I don't, don't come under a condemnation. And don't let anybody put that on you. That doesn't come from God. Make you feel like you've done something or you're, um, I'm having a hard time spitting out. I need. Uh, well, I need something, but I don't. But any, I want to know that just because I didn't work out the way that I prayed that it would, that my father still loves me and I'm still uh, his favorite child. You know, you say, well, how do you know you're the favorite? Isn't, aren't we all? And, you know, I'm not, you know, you know if there's sin... In the way, God will show you, and he'll, he'll show you how to be free from that. If you're open and you need to. You know, I tell people, there's a guy come up, and he says, I have emphysema, and he had a pack of cigarettes in his pocket. And I said, well, are you, are you willing to give me those before we, we uh, you know, we uh, pray? No. Well, I said, well, I'm not going to pray with you today, then. You say, I will pray that God will make those cigarettes taste really bad for you. Amen? You didn't pray for him. Yeah, I prayed that he would be so sick after sucking on those cancer sticks that he would never want them again. Amen? How many know cigarettes are cancer sticks? They say, well, mine are sanctified because I'm a Christian and I'm blowing holy smoke. 
I want to tell you, there ain't nothing holy about it. Uh, anyhow, I'm just saying because I don't want you to, to have emphysema. I don't want you to have COPD or whatever. I don't want you to have lung cancer. Amen? And the same with me. I like donuts. So, I mean, I eat enough of those. I'm going to die. Difference is I may die happier than someone who's smoking. But, I mean, still, it all ends up the same. Faith. Our miracles, miracles, God wants to release the miraculous in and through his body, his church body. He wants a signs following ministry. Amen? You say, I can't explain that. I don't always see that it works that way. How about let's just pray and believe and walk in the spirit and let God just release what he wants to do and not be so uptight about it because the results aren't on you and me. We just know what he says. You say, I'm afraid I'll look like a fool. Well, what governs your, your conduct, your, your faith or your feeling? I mean, his word or your feeling? You know, because if we're living by our feelings, we'd never do anything for God. Anyhow, faith. Um, uh, Tammy, would you come? Robin's going to say, man, what were you doing? You know, I wasn't there today. Then you come, Faith. It's 1133, something like that. Faith. The gift of faith. You know, we're all given a measure of faith, and all of us are to walk in faith and walk by faith. But, you know, and there, there are instances where someone brings an infusion of Holy Spirit faith, mountain-moving faith. Don't you like sometimes people to pray mountain-moving faith with you? You're facing a mountain, and you want someone whom God sends your way and says, I believe God's going gonna to move this mountain for you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would. I, I, want, I want, if I ask you to pray for me, it's going to be because I, I want you to be a person who believes that God still does these things. I don't care about your theology. You know, well, he stopped doing this when they got the word and word, uh, the written word was established. There was no need for all of this stuff. You know, it's not, it's not because we don't have the word. It's just that God is a, he's a wonderful God of maintenance and growth. He wants to work with us. God's a maintenance guy. You know, people, how many of you change your oil with regularity? See, if you get an electric car, I don't know how much of that you'll have to do. You won't have any money anyhow to buy any oil, so it wouldn't, thank God, you wouldn't have to do that. But today, as we come here in this house, you know, somehow we've gotten turned off at times by what we've seen happen in Pentecostal, charismatic churches. You know, we see things and we say, I, that stuff spooks me. It, 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 it concerns me. And I don't believe it's for today, you know, someone may say. Well, <clears throat> there's no, there's no, no uh, denying that it's scriptural, right? It's in the Word. It's there. It's just that we date it. And we say it was for then and not for now. Well, you know... <clears throat> I very much believe that we serve a God who's a healer. I very much believe that we serve a God who's a miracle worker. I very much believe that we're a God who imparts knowledge and wisdom. 
I do believe that God is a communicator. So for him to release a communication through tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, through prophecy, to me, why is that such a problem? Why is that such a problem? Because really, uh, spirit-filled believers aren't saying, I don't need the scriptures. If I see someone or hear someone who says, I don't care what the word says. I only care what God you know, what the spirit does. You know, number one, it just shows a major lapse of judgment when we believe that the Holy Spirit is not, is disassociated in some way uh, from his manifestations uh, from the word that he inspired. You know, he inspired that, right? He inspired the word. And so he's one. How many here say, God, we're living in a day when evil is abounding. The whole world is running after demons and devils and spirits and, and perverse, lewd behaviors that are really promoted from the pit of hell. Lord, the world is deceived, the, 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 uh, the professing to be wise. The world is the dwelling of a fool. Lord God, I pray that you'll baptize us church as one. Lord, maybe we're many baptized by your spirit, but Lord, I pray that we will be baptized by one spirit into one body, not just within the walls of this church, but with every spirit-filled house of believers that it joins itself in a building, a home, a cave, a cathedral, a multi-million dollar facility, whatever it is, out in the middle of a field. Lord, join us together with those of faith who believe that the greatest day of the church is not past, because if that were true, that would mean that God has met his match and God has not met his match. God doesn't want his church to hide in the fort and hang on until Jesus comes. He wants his church out there in the highways and byways, and he wants us in the cities and the towns and the villages. Moving in Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit dynamic. Lord, we pray today we open ourselves to the Lord, not to a feeling, not to an experience. Lord God, we open our hearts before the King of glory and we say, Lord, more of you, more of you. Lord, I want more of you. I'll go to your word. I'll come to you in prayer. Lord, I want more of your spirit what you are pouring out upon my life, Lord God, I invite more of it. Not less of it, Lord God, more of it. I want to be filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit. Not so that I can show others how spiritual I am or how holy I am. But Lord God, help us, Lord God Almighty, to realize that that the hand of God is extended through the Holy Spirit. The the voice of of the messenger is made powerful and authoritative in the Holy Spirit. We give you praise. We give you glory. Will you just lift your hands before the Lord and just say, Lord, whether it takes place in this building today or whether, Lord God, it happens in my closet of prayer, I am going to seek after you. I'm going to knock. I'm going to seek. I'm going to believe you, Lord God. Hallelujah. To pour into my life. 
for those who once were walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit who have, Lord, walked in something other. Lord God, I I just pray we'll come back and say, God, there's nothing that takes the place of what your Holy Spirit was doing in my life, through my life. How many board members are here today say, God, I want to be Spirit-filled. I want to be overflowing and full. How many pastors and staff members say, I want to be filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit? Lord God, I want as a as a as a as a ministry leader in the community, Lord God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can edify those in the house and I can reach those outside of it. Lord God, that, that Lord God Almighty, I open my life to a signs following ministry. Lord God, a signs following. Lord, we're not chasing signs, but signs follow. Lord God, what God is doing a great thing. Lord, we praise you today. How many will pray to God today that God will, will cause a severe drought in the area of, uh, of this uh, uh, spiritual experimentation where people are just out there chasing after experiences and darkness? God, I pray that there will be a famine a dearth, Lord God, of any anything associated with that, anything that, Lord, is enriching someone else at, at a greater expense to those who, Lord, subscribe to it. We pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, against every invasive encroachment of darkness. Lord God, we pray against it, and we just say, Jesus, be exalted. Jesus, be exalted. Jesus be exalted here in Littlestown, in Hanover, in Gettysburg. Lord God, Tawny Town. Lord God Almighty, be lifted up in Adams County, Carroll County, York County. Lord God, this region, let there be a move of the Holy Spirit that will be greater than any move of darkness. Lord God, let us be a bare light among those that we work with, those in our families. Lord God, let let us walk that Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit life. Lord God, that makes others want what we have. Those imitators, Lord God, those exorcists, they wanted what they saw happening in the church. And though they were wrong in what they did, they still wanted something that they saw there. Simon wanted what he saw happening. Uh, Lord God, through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you be glorified. You be glorified. Lord, every person in this church, every prayer partner, Lord God, those who make intercession here at five on Sundays and those who make intercession with other groups and people at different times in the church, Lord God, every intercessor to be filled with the Holy Spirit because prayer will be powerful. The revelation will be profound. Lord God, the impact of God upon our lives will take us far beyond our intellect, far beyond our abilities. We praise you. We glorify your name, O God. King of glory. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. Hallelujah. King of glory. Hallelujah. This praise might set the tone for your whole week. It will set the tone for your whole week. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.